0: All right, it's good to see you this morning. We are continuing with this series, Bad Advice, and this is the conclusion of that series, session number four. And in this series, we've been comparing and contrasting bad advice, and really the advice isn't something you typically hear somebody say. It's that bad. And yet we tend to follow advice like what we will look at. I do want you to note when we put point number one, point number two on your outline, these are the bad advice notes. In fact... This series has built within it a lot of sarcasm, and so that's not my forte. I actually today printed out my sarcasm sheet to help me be sarcastic. And so (laughs) we're looking at how to be dissatisfied. We have looked at how to commit adultery, how to be addicted, how to drift from God, and now we're looking at how to be dissatisfied in a way Today, if we could get a hold of the contrast to this one, it actually solves all of them. It's that big. If we're fully satisfied with God, we actually solve the temptations and all of those other ones we've addressed as well. So it's rather important as we enter into this one. So to start off, I would just want to hand out free money. I want to hand out free imaginary money. And so it's with a question that goes like this, how much more money would you need in a year, you don't need to answer out loud, to be more satisfied, to be happy, how much more would you need? Now that's a really interesting question, because, I mean all of us sort of feel like, if I could have a little bit more, I'd be a little bit more happy. If I had this much more, I could be that much more happy, more satisfied. Oh boy, if I could, and uh, since it's imaginary money, go ahead and uh, answer that question in your own brain in the imaginary. Now what's really interesting about this is Gallup Poll and Forbes magazine and many others have asked such questions across spectrums and they get answers. And depending on who's doing the study and who's been asked, you get different answers. But a very common feature comes out in a question like that. And so if somebody's making 30000 a year and they're asked the question, how much more do you need to be satisfied? Um, in one particular study, they answered, I would need 74000 a year. And then asking that same question with a different sector of group, somebody who is making 50000 how much more do you need to be satisfied? They would answer, I need 100000 and then I would be satisfied. But what is common to all of the studies asking this question, how much more do you need, is an interesting feature. The answer is always, I would need this much more. But there's an even more fascinating fact The more you have, the more you think you need to be satisfied. So the $30,000 person answers with a a smaller margin up to be satisfied than the $50,000 person or the $100,000 person. Their margin up for the more they think they need is greater the more you have, which is fascinating to me. And it should be a little bit fascinating to us. Why is it that we're waiting for more? To be satisfied. And that's kind of what we're addressing. So we're going to start with some good advice, um, and then we're going to contrast as we go. So the good advice comes from uh, Paul to his protege Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, we read this. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I don't want to get real nuanced and differentiate between a lot of words, which a lot of times we want to do that. We want to make the difference between happy and and joy, and make the difference between happiness, and joy, and satisfaction, and contentment, and the different nuanced uh, differences between those concepts. Right now, I just want to lump them all together and say simply this way, when's the last time the extremities of your mouth pointed up? Okay, That's what we're talking about, the extremities of your mouth Pointed up. But I want to go a little bit beyond that, rather than the extremities of your mouth staying straight-lined or the extremities of your mouth going down. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content in that. And we want to say, food and clothing, and I would need this and I would need that, or I would have a hard time being satisfied. We want to add to the food and clothing. By the way, I did look up clothing, and the word clothing there is, if you're translating really literally, it's coverings, and so it can be expanded out to be all that you need to protect you in shelter as well. Food and protection. If you have your food and protection, that's all you need for contentment. Now, I do want a nuance though, here's the nuance. The contentment that really we're aiming for here is when the extremities of the mouth goes up, not because of what just happened to you on the outside, what just took place, whoo-hoo, but it goes up because something is right on the inside. Now it's going up, and maybe it's even a bubbling up, and it's a a subconscious. You don't even know you're smiling, and somebody looks at you, and you are smiling because you have godliness with contentment, and it's great gain, and that's kind of what we want to aim at. Now, that's a real interesting one because it even causes you to think, when have I just begun to smile and feel good about life and feel this blessed contentedness from the inside. And it doesn't have to do with this thing that just happened or that, just, just all these externals that come in my direction. When's the last time? There's just this sense of satisfaction, joy, happiness, well being, rejoicing, because it's all well inside of me. And so there's the positive direction that we're aiming. And we're going to be going into the negative a little bit. So, but if we have food and clothing, what else do we want to add to that before we will be satisfied? That's the temptation. That's the place we go to. And it's not always money. I mean, really, I'll be happy if I could lose 20 more pounds, or in some cases, if I could gain 20 more pounds. I'd be happy if I could have a different job. I'd be happy if my spouse would, you know, and that we have these things that we set up where we add to the simple food and clothing, food and shelter thing, and we want to add a little thing before, before we'll be happy. I'll be happy when I can finally buy a house. And we set these things up. And if you really work to analyze where people are coming from, there's always something we're gonna add to it. When, and then that happens when, and then that happens when, and we add more and more things. We're waiting to be happy when, but that's completely different than finding it now inside. Now, I don't think it comes from inside of us. What we're talking about is godliness a gift from God that helps us experience this satisfaction. There was a gentleman that came up to Jesus and he wanted his uh, angst to be solved by Jesus and Jesus to make a decision between he and another. And Jesus tells a parable to answer the angst rather than solve it for him. And this is how the parable goes in Luke chapter 12. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Keep going. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry." Yeah, hallelujah here over here. Yeah? Okay, so you have the concept that finally I have enough to take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And that's the mentality where we want to store up enough and finally we get there. When I finally have enough, then I can. And so however we fill in that blank, and a lot of us have been trained by our culture to fill in the blank with a certain aim for a retirement mentality where we take it easy and it's all about me. And Jesus has a little trouble with this idea of retirement where we store up, store up, store up, and now it's finally all about me. And so he continues, and here's how he continues. He says, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, I have a question for you, and I'm not going to answer it. But it really asking the question causes us to stir and wonder and dig and think. The question is, what does it mean to be rich toward God? What does that mean? And he's saying, don't be doing this. We're storing it all up to be rich towards self. Be rich toward God. All right, so let's jump into the bad advice, and we're going to be contrasting good advice of Jesus with bad advice. That We don't really have people telling us stuff like this, but bad advice, point number one, is this. Focus on being ungrateful. I mean, you never hear even good secular God-hating counselors saying this. Focus on being ungrateful. If you're too satisfied, here's what you do. If you want to be dissatisfied, here's what you do. This is the bad advice. So I'm, I'm picking up my sarcastic sheet here. Here we go. Gripe. Foster a genuine spirit of ingratitude. Resent God's goodness in others. Be jealous. Be critical. Be envious. Resent God's goodness in others. Most important, ignore God's goodness in you. Never be grateful for where you live or for your health or for your friends or for any of your blessings. Focus on being ungrateful. Never be grateful for your transportation or your closet full of clothes. The fact that you can pretty much eat anytime you're hungry or not hungry. In fact, what does hunger have to do with it? Never... Be grateful. This is how you do it. This is how you become dissatisfied. So focus on being ungrateful. Now, we've never heard anybody tell us this. But we've heard a lot, watched, listened, been around people where it's like, they're listening to this bad advice. This is how they live. This is this place. They don't even know the ends of their mouths never go up. The ends of their mouths always flat and always down. That's what they're like. They're listening to this advice. They're always looking for the negative and ungrateful. All right? Let's compare and contrast now with godly advice. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, chapter 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice. Say this with me. Always. I'll say the, hold on, I'll say the not bold. You say the bold. Okay, let's be real clear. Rejoice. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. A lot of times we're looking around, what is God's will? I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what God's will is for me. He just said, God's will for you is to rejoice always, and he doesn't say, give thanks for all circumstances. He says, since you're rejoicing always, you have to figure out how to give thanks in all circumstances, even when the circumstances are rough, bad, You have a horrible, no good, awful, bad day. You can still choose, instead of being ungrateful, you can choose to be grateful. This is God's will for you. This is great advice. Bad advice number two is this. Compare what you have to people who have more. If you want to be dissatisfied, this is my advice for you. If you like your house binge watch HGTV then you can hate your pathetic little shack and be totally dissatisfied (laughs) don't stop there compare everything compare salaries compare marriages compare washers and dryers oh man compare top loaders to front loaders if you still have top loading now come on (laughs) compare everything compare your bodies If you haven't done so for a while, make sure, ladies, you compare your bodies with the airbrushed women in fashion magazines who have not eaten since 2012. (laughs) Also, make sure you compare yourself with those ladies who have invested more money on their bodies than they have on their retirements, if you know what I mean. Compare yourself with them. Compare, compare, compare. Whatever. Guys, compare with... Compare your shoes, your cars, your muscles, your likes on social media, your hair, your beards, whatever. (laughs) Just compare. This is how you do it. How to become dissatisfied. So nobody actually says that stuff, but people live as if they do. And they're heeding the bad advice. Godly advice, in antithesis to that, by comparison and contrast, it just sort of hits you. And here's a godly advice from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. It reads this way. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves. Now, you're going to read the bull. Ready? Let's try this again. We do not dare to classify or with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. Yeah. Now that's a mouthful. There's a lot of comparisons there, and he's saying, Stop it. Stop comparing yourself. That's a formula for dissatisfaction. And constantly being flatlined and downlined instead of your mouth and without even knowing it, your energy and who you are based on something completely different than this. Bad advice number three. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. Pursue temporary possessions over eternal treasures. I'm turning to my sarcastic sheet here. Don't settle for eternal blessings. Now is all that matters. Give up what really matters most for whatever you want now. Think short term. Focus on this moment. Never eternity. If you want to be dissatisfied, this is what you think. More is better. Newer is better. Bigger is better. Now is all that matters. Would you repeat after me? More is better. Newer is better. Bigger is better. Now is all that matters. That was harder for you to repeat after me, wasn't it? See why we need the sarcastic sheet just to remind ourselves, this tastes terrible. It's like, I don't like to even say this. And yet, that's how we tend to be sucked into this world's mold in the way that we are bringing our whole countenance down, our demeanor, our outlook, our attitude. Compare this with what Jesus said. Now, this shows up before the parable, the same context when he's kind of solving this thing between two people. Here's what he says to set up the parable we read earlier in Luke chapter 12. He says this... Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Let's try that again. You're going to read the bold. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Wow, this is uncommon advice. No commercial says this. Every commercial is going to try to make it imperative that you need this now, it'll make your life better, it's what you need, and, and try to get you to the place where this is going to add, and the uncommon godly advice is, that's not what life's all about. It doesn't consist in the abundance and the accumulation and the storing up, and the, the attitude that builds up, is if I can just do this long enough, then it can be about me. It's all about me. Even in the storing up, it's all about me. Even in the adding of possessions, it's all about me. Even Forbes magazine is saying, if you want to be happy, the happiest people make it not about self-indulgence. The happiest people make it about sharing what they have. The happiest people actually give. And it's not about me, me, me. So even in the world, they're beginning to recognize if you want a formula for happiness and gratitude, it can't be about me, me, me. The most unhappy, most dissatisfied people are living all about me. Now, this is interesting because the godly advice matches up with people's experience. Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. What... Good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And the soul is that part of us which is inside. When the soul is well, all is well. When the soul is satisfied, people can see it in you. What good is it if you gain, 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 and what they see in you, they just want a little distance. They don't really want to be close to you because you're all about you. And Jesus helps us to see what we already resonate with. You're right. I need my soul to be made well. Bad advice, number four. Develop an attitude of entitlement. I've led a rough life. I've worked so hard. I have more coming to me. I deserve so much more. I need new shoes. I need a bigger television. I need a new phone. I need some Ben and Jerry's New York Superfudge Chunk. Amen. <laughs> yeah. I need a newer car. I have it coming. I need more. I deserve more. My Wi-Fi is too slow. When I go through my closet and touch all my clothes, it is absolutely obvious. I have nothing to wear. (laughs) I need more. I deserve more. I work hard. I need it. I deserve better than what I have. I need it now. How true is any of that? A very challenging thought to those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ was written by Paul in a powerful line that describes what we're entitled to versus what we receive. In Romans, we read this. For the wages, that would be what I'm entitled to. Let me read it all through first, then I'm going to have you... Read the bold. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you have surrendered your soul and life to Jesus and you've asked Jesus to invade your soul and merge his life and give you his joy, did you know that in John chapter 17, Jesus prays in his high priestly prayer, Father, give them the full measure of the joy that you've given me. That's his prayer for us, to receive the full measure of joy that Jesus has has experienced, the union of the Father and the Son through the Spirit of God as the Spirit is fully upon him, anointing him. That's what Christ means, the anointed one. Let them have this experience that I have experienced, the full measure of joy. He's prayed for that. He's given his life for that so that we can experience that. The free gift of eternal life, which is qualitative as well as eternal, as we experience a full measure of joy in union with God, by His Spirit, through Jesus Christ, experiencing the full measure of joy, now. Eternal kind of life, now. That's what He's talking about. That's what He prayed for, for every one of us. Compare that with the thing that we're entitled to. I mean, you heard all the ideas about what we're entitled to, and we're corrected right away with this confronting truth. The only thing we're entitled to is separation from God and death from God because of the shame we bring upon our creator because we have ignored him, and the shame we bring to ourselves because we go against him in rebellion and live our own lives and ruin our own lives, what we deserve, what we're entitled to is separation from God because we're unholy and he is holy. That's what we're entitled to but because we repented and turned back to our savior and say, I've messed up, I'm experiencing shame, everything's all off and wrong, I keep going to that to the bad stuff, please be my savior. What we receive is not what we're entitled to, not what we've earned, what we received is a gift. You cannot earn heaven. You cannot receive salvation by effort. It is only received by grace as a gift of Jesus Christ because he paid for it fully. How insulting it would be if he pays for the gift fully, hands it to us, and we try to pay for it. No, we're not entitled. We're not earning this. We receive it. And it brings great joy to receive this gift Jesus brings to us. We read, Some corrective statements on the screen now that's not from scripture but the idea is there. How we live reveals what we actually believe or trust. Most lives are actually saying this, what Christ offers is not as good as what the world offers. I won't be happy until. I won't be happy until or when and I'm just not happy now. I'm dissatisfied now. What I want is this, then I'll be happy. What I want is this. If I can just add this, then I'll be happy and that shows what we trust, who we're listening to, instead of the source of happiness being Christ. Christ is enough, we sing. Christ is enough for me. Paul wrote, oh, I'll get there in a second. Here's the next statement to kind of bring this to a head here. We need to correct our thinking. It's not happy people who are grateful. It is grateful people who are happy. Now I am nuancing, aren't I? It is not Happy people who are grateful, it is grateful people who are happy. So choose to be grateful to the one who gives, who is the source, who brings the answer, who brings the gift, who brings salvation. If you choose gratitude, and you can choose gratitude in all kinds of other ways, too, choose to be grateful to be married to the person you're married to. Choose to be grateful for the food that you eat. Choose to be grateful for that car that you drive. It gets you from point A to point B. Choose to be grateful and then you'll be happy. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, 7-8 through 8 this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Let's continue on. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. I want you to imagine something right now. I want you to imagine your trash can. The night before pickup or the morning of pickup, or whenever the pickup is right before it's picked up, imagine what's in your trash can, garbage. Everything that you think are the accolades and the thing that brings you joy that are apart from Christ, Paul says all of that stuff, your achievements, your successes, your earning God's approval, that was his life before, that is nothing but garbage. Now, I don't know if your trash can is as bad as mine. I have a dog, she's almost 13, she's been ill, and so I put things in the trash can, ooh it's rank, really, really bad. That doesn't even touch the word garbage that we're talking about, that Paul uses. He uses the word skubala, refuse, excrement, garbage it's awful. If you're putting your trust in these other things and your achievements for your happiness in comparison to Christ as the source of the full measure of your joy, he's saying, that's garbage. You need to look at it as garbage in comparison and contrast. Turn to the opposite which is going to give you joy and the aroma of life and give you healing and satisfaction and without you even knowing it the extremities of your mouth just go because inside you're made right. The garbage has been dumped out and Christ has been filling you up with his presence. That is satisfaction. How many of you would like that? Dump out the garbage, receive Christ and all that he has to offer you, life and joy and love and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, just welling up inside, bubbling over onto those around you. I want that. And every time we make this exchange, We dump out the garbage. He gives us all of that in his presence, filling us up with who he is and bubbling over and transforming our life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Reach out to Christ. I'd like to finish with this prayer. I want you to read it silently. It's a mouthful. And then we'll declare it together. before we pray this, I'll just say this. This week I experienced dumping out the garbage. Pride, defensiveness, short fuse, unkindness coming out. And it was all because I hadn't already dumped it out I hadn't filled myself up with the presence of Lord Jesus Christ I needed to make that right I needed to dump that out be filled up with Jesus I was able to go back to the one that was injuring even though I was trying to protect myself I was trying to defend my own pride defend my own being as if there's something to depend all of that is pride filled up with Jesus, I could say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. (coughs) Joy could be experienced again. Jesus heals. Jesus satisfies. Let's stand together and turn to him. Ready? Out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I find life's fulfillment in you. You are the aim of my life. You aren't merely the means to a good life. You are a good life. I love you. I worship you. I give myself over to you in my heart's search for life. You alone are the life, and you have become my life. I renounce all other gods, every idol and obsession, and I give to you, God, the place in my heart and in my life that you truly deserve You are the only fixation that actually fixes making me whole. Amen.